Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist here in New York. Got an office in Midtown. I can see you in person, or I could see you via telehealth, telephone, whatever is most convenient for you. If you'd like to make an appointment, call this number, 212-779-1744. Speak to Liz. That's 212-779-1744. And for your questions and topics of interest, please email me to radioprogram at AOL.com. That is radioprogram at AOL.com. Now, if you listened, if you downloaded last week's podcast, I talked about healthy aging myths. I talked about the myths of Physical deterioration and impairment are inevitable. Are they inevitable as we age, physical deterioration and impairment? These are myths. Well, here's more, more uh, uh, evidence for you that it is not inevitable. And this was released last month in July. One year of aerobic exercise training so one year of aerobic exercise training may reduce the risk of Alzheimer's in o- older adults. So as you already know, we already have the twin epidemics of obesity and diabetes. We like to call it diabetes. These are both lifestyle choices. Yes, they are. What you choose to put in that pie hole, you know, your mouth, determines the prevalence of diabetes in your life and around the world. So these, those are the twin epidemics, but the third one that is burgeoning now is Alzheimer's disease. And we, we like to call Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes because it's a type of insulin resistance in the brain. The brain doesn't like glucose, doesn't process it well anymore. It does better with ketones. It, it's almost like the brain, insulin-resistant, glucose-intolerant. Sound like diabetes to you? Yeah, type 2 we're talking about. So type 3, we like to call Alzheimer's. Uh, 
this can be avoided. This can be avoided. We've seen progress on ketogenic diets. There's a Dr. Mary Newport, whom I met years ago at a medical conference. Uh, her husband fared well on a ketogenic diet and coconut oil therapy. Why coconut oil? Because coconut oil is a medium chain triglyceride and it is burned immediately for energy. So your body is immediately using fat for energy. It kind of throws your body into ketosis, helps keep it there when you're dosing throughout the day. Now I'm talking not about your standard low carb diet. I'm talking about a therapeutic ketogenic diet with coconut oil therapy. Okay. So these are all lifestyle choices and one year of aerobic exercise training may reduce the risk of Alzheimer's in older adults. New research suggests one year <clears throat> of moderate to vigorous intensity aerobic exercise training, improved cardiorespiratory fitness, as it will, cerebral, cerebral blood flow regulation, absolutely, memory and executive function in people with mild cognitive impairment. You need some circulation in that brain to keep things firing, right? To keep neurotransmitters firing, to get oxygen up to the brain. Uh, it, it, it helps with memory and executive function in people with MCI, mild cognitive impairment. This is important. And you know who first kind of brought this to light is Dr. David Perlmutter. Because aerobic exercise, he asserted, increases BDNF. That's brain-derived neurotropic factor. BDNF. This is the stuff that can help keep mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's at bay. Away. Which is where we want it. So here, the data suggests improvement in cerebrovascular function from exercise training also has the potential to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease in older adults, according to the research team at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center and Texas Health Presbyterian and Hospital Dallas. The research paper is published in the Journal of Applied Physiology, again, this is published in the Journal of Applied Physiology. And Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia, accounting for 60 to 80% of dementia cases. Wow, according to the Alzheimer's Association. The group estimates more than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. And you know what? That number is only going to go up unless there's a dramatic change in people's lifestyles, in my opinion. So, so here are some more facts from the Alzheimer's Association. One, Alzheimer's kills more people than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. Wow. Number two, Alzheimer's deaths have increased by 16% during the COVID-19 pandemic, likely because they weren't able to get treatment or something. 
Number three, in 2021, Alzheimer's is projected to cost the nation $355 billion. That is billion dollars. In this new study, the research team observed 37 people with mild cognitive impairment, which is a precursor stage of Alzheimer's disease. At the beginning of the study, the subjects participated in three exercise sessions per week that consisted of brisk walking for 25 to 30 minutes. By the 11th week, they exercised four times a week, walking briskly uphill for 30 to 35 minutes per session. And after the 26th week, that's six months, exercise sessions increased to four to five times per week for 30 to 40 minutes. Using these findings as a building block, a new two-year study is underway to determine the long-term impact of aerobic exercise on Alzheimer's disease according to a member of the research team. The researcher's goal is to turn the findings of both studies into more practical ways to mitigate the risk of the disease. So it is very important to make exercise a part of your, at least most days of your week. And we're just talking about walking. Imagine, and that's enough because brisk walking is aerobic. You don't have to become a marathoner. You don't have to become, you know, an expert canoer. You don't have to become, you don't have to be on the elliptical for an hour a day. You just have to walk briskly. You get some fresh air. You get some you time or me time, you know. Walk briskly and walk in hilly areas if you can, up the hills and down the hills. You want to come back rosy-cheeked. You want to come back flushed like that, breathing deeply and haltingly. That's how you want to breathe. You should still be able to carry on a conversation. You should still be able to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You should still be able to sing the Star-Spangled Banner, right? That's the way. When you're losing your breath and you're not able to sing the Star-Spangled Banner or have a conversation with your walking mate, slow it down a little bit. You can. You can. It's fine. And keep it going for 30 minutes. That appears to be the magic number. It really does. So the simple act of walking briskly every day. You know, you don't need gym clothes for that. You can just go out in your sweats or what you wear when you're you know, downtime at home in front of the TV. You could walk out in those same clothes, put your sneakers on, and just go out and take a brisk walk. Try to do this five days a week. That would be great. Some weeks, maybe you'll only do it for three. It's all right. Try to keep it between three and five. Four to five most days of the week. That would be optimal. That would be optimal. That will raise your body's brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, BDNF. That's the stuff that keeps your brain young, keeps you from moving toward 
MCI, mild cognitive impairment, and Alzheimer's disease. Very, very important stuff. And speaking of diabetes, because we're calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes, get this. Time-restricted eating may reduce diabetes-related hypertension. Wow. A new University of Kentucky College of Medicine study suggests that time-restricted eating may be able to help people with type 2 diabetes reduce nocturnal hypertension, which is characterized by elevated blood pressure at night. The study found that time-restricted eating, a routine in which eating is restricted to a specific window of time during each day, helped prevent and improve diabetes-related nocturnal hypertension in mice. So you're restricting your eating to a specific window of time during the day. For instance, say you eat breakfast at 8, and say you have, you know, dinner by 6. There is your 10-hour window of eating. The rest of the time, you are fasting. The other 14 hours, you're fasting. That's what, that's what time-restricted eating is. Some people may go so far to do it therapeutically to eat within a six to eight hour window of time during the day. Maybe between nine and three or 10 and four or 10 and six for the eight hour or from, you know, seven to two, seven to three, something like that. It helps to reduce insulin resistance. It helps to reduce the circulating insulin which is really important because you've heard in hypertension and high blood pressure that salt is a problem. Well, salt is only a problem. Sodium is only a problem in 10% of the population. But salt is a problem in general because it increases your blood volume, which then increases your blood pressure, right? But guess what? Insulin is a little bit of the master and commander in directing how much sodium your body retains. Let me say that again. Insulin is kind of the master and commander of directing your body into how much, how much sodium that it actually retains. And the more sodium you retain, the higher the blood pressure you can have. So if you knock down the insulin as you can with time-restricted feeding, then you're knocking down the amount of sodium that your body is hanging on to and then drawing water to. Basic law of uh, diffusion in science is water follows salt. It follows it to anywhere, especially our bloodstream. And when our blood volume is increased, we get high blood pressure. That's where the sodium comes in. But insulin kind of commands all that. And you can control how much insulin is circulating in your body by the amount of carbohydrate you eat. That's a fact. So they say here that we are excited about these findings and the implications they could have in future clinical studies. In addition to lifestyle changes like diet and exercise, time-restricted eating could have a healthy impact on people with type 2 diabetes. Hear, here, absolutely, and amen, yes. Normally, blood pressure falls at night 
and it increases upon awakening. in line with the body's circadian rhythm. And the other reason is blood pressure goes down at night because our cortisol is typically lower at night, towards the end of the day at night, and it rises in the morning. Cortisol helps us to wake up, get ready to start the day, and that can impact blood pressure. But normally blood pressure falls at night and increases upon awakening in line with the body's circadian rhythm. And in some hypertensive patients, the typical nighttime decrease does not occur. And this, quote, non-dipping of the blood pressure is prevalent in people with type 2 diabetes. And of course, that's associated with increased events of cardiovascular disease. The study found that imposing time-restricted feeding prevented diabetic mice from developing that non-dipping blood pressure. The practice also effectively restored the disrupted blood pressure circadian rhythm in mice that already had non-dipping blood pressure. Researchers restricted the the mice's access to food to eight hours during their typical active awake times every day. When food availability was increased 12 hours, the practice was still effective in treating non-dipping blood pressure. The The researchers say this is evidence that the effects were caused by the timing of feeding and not calorie restriction. This is absolutely correct. This is, not going, this is not about going low calorie. It's the window of time that you were eating. In fact, you can eat the same amount of calories in six hours that you did in eight. Wow, you'll be terribly full. But you would still do better insulin-wise, circulating insulin-wise, than you would spread out over a longer period during the day, eating the same amount of calories. So... In addition to the study's significance for future clinical research in people, it's adding to the scientists' understanding of the causes and mechanisms of non-dipping blood pressure and diabetes, which is currently not fully understood. Well, yeah, you know, they have to pay attention to insulin. That has everything to do with it. It has everything to do with it. Typically, in later stage diabetes, the pancreas is starting to wear out and there's less and less insulin being produced. That's when that late stage diabetic suddenly starts losing a whole lot of weight. Well, why are they losing all this weight? Well, insulin, besides having an important job of trying to normalize blood glucose, it's also a fat storage hormone. When you're a late-stage type 2 diabetic, meaning you've not been on the proper diet to manage your diabetes, you're eating all those carbs, your, your pancreas is finally worn out and saying, I'm not, I'm not secreting any insulin anymore, I'm tired, if I may put it as simply as that for the purposes of this podcast. <laughs> There's a lot more going on bi- biochemically. Anyway, but this is not a biochemistry lesson here, lest I lose you all, <laughs> the audience. Anyway. So what happens then is because there's less circulating insulin, 
there's less circulating fat storage hormone. Suddenly you're, use, you're burning your fat stores. You see, in what other circumstance will you reduce circulating insulin? On a low-carb diet, on a ketogenic diet. And that's how you lose the weight. That's how it happens. And time-restricted feeding can help with that in a very, very big way. So they say there are already many studies that show the health benefits of time-restricted eating, particularly for metabolic issues. Yes, this is the first basic science research focused on how it impacts non-dipping blood pressure related to diabetes, and it reveals that the daily timing of food intake could play a critical role. Yes, and let me also make a little bit of a distinction because there is overlap between time-restricted feeding and intermittent fasting. They're kind of alike, but they're kind of not. Yeah, yes. Time-restricted feeding, I already explained to you, eating within certain hours of the day. Say you're eating between 9 and 5 and 9 and 6, right? Something like that. And you're fasting the rest of the time. With intermittent fasting, you're kind of concentrating on the amount of time that you're fasting. As human beings, we all need to fast a minimum of 12 hours every night for autophagy to happen. What is autophagy? While we're sleeping, while we're resting, our cellular house cleaning, our DNA repair processes, cleaning up the junk in our cells is happening. And we require a minimum 12 hours for autophagy to happen properly and optimally. But you can increase that fast to 13, 14, 15, 16 hours. A lot of people will do the 14 to 16 hour intermittent fasting in an effort to further lower their insulin levels. And it's very, very effective doing it that way. So if you're fasting for 16 hours, you're eating for the rest of the hours, the rest of the 12 hours, which is fine. So time-restricted feeding, intermittent fasting, you could almost call it six of one, half a dozen of the other, but they both work. They both work in helping to reduce circulating insulin levels, whether it's to reduce blood pressure in type 2 diabetics during the night, that nocturnal high blood pressure, whether it's to reduce the blood pressure in people without diabetes, with diabetes, it doesn't matter what, what other ab, uh, metabolic abnormalities you have going on, reducing insulin really helps. Because the other thing that insulin does, besides cause your body to store fat, store sodium, retain water, it also causes derangements in your blood lipids, like your LDL. <clears throat> it causes your LDL to become small and dense and atherogenic. That's pattern B LDL. That's the least desirable LDL. That's what insulin can do, cause those derangements. That changes when you go on a low-carb ketogenic diet. That LDL becomes pattern A big fluffy particles, right? That's, those are the desirable LDL particles. And the other thing with a high-carb diet is your triglycerides go up, you know, High triglycerides are an independent risk factor for heart disease. Embark on a low-carb diet, your triglycerides will fall off a cliff. I guarantee it. 
I've seen thousands and thousands <clears throat> of cases in my career thus far. It happens over and over and over and over again. Therapeutic diet, medical nutrition therapy, that's what we're talking about here. So I invite you to email me your questions, topics of interest, radio program at AOL.com. And I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. Did you know that olive oil is at its peak of flavor and nutrition right after it's fresh pressed at harvest time? That's why my favorite olive oil is delivered to me direct from the latest harvest, thanks to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and as a listener of Intelligent Medicine, you can try a bottle of their finest artisanal olive oil, normally $39, for just $1 with no obligation to buy anything else. I've been enjoying these harvest fresh olive oils for years. They are far and away the brightest, most lively, and flavorful olive oils I've ever tasted. Their antioxidants and polyphenols are off the charts because they're fresh from the harvest. They make store-bought olive oils taste dull and flat by comparison. Taste for yourself. Check out this generous trial offer and get your $39 bottle for a buck with no obligation to buy anything else. Visit MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. In my case, it truly is. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.